We are in First uh, Peter. Would you please turn with me? I'm trying to, tr- to understand why I've fallen in love with this guy Peter so much. Um, you know, I, I have had an un- unabashed love for Paul. And I thought once we left Romans that I'd never find another place in Scripture that I could enjoy teaching and, and studying as much as I did Romans because Paul is just, he's it for me. I just can't wait to see him. But I'm finding that I'm, I'm infatuated with Peter uh, I, I thought about the difference of the two. Uh, Paul in his writings is, is all about grace. Grace, grace, grace. God's unmerited favor. And, and, and Paul taught grace through salvation, the, the gift that God wants to give to us. Even though we don't deserve it, he gives us everlasting life. Peter, on the other hand, was a leader extraordinaire. Peter was a leader's leader. He led most of the time. When you, you note the, the statement of the apostles, Peter was always uh, right around the first three mentioned. He was, he was a definitely a leader. And he was more stern, more, more straightforward than, than Paul, I think. And I think it is fitting that, that the Lord God, of course, had Peter write this particular book because it's about suffering. It's all about our are going through difficulties and how we, how we make it through difficult times. And, of course, that was very, very uh, relevant to the, the Renaults in the first service, just going through this time of, of loss of their little grandchild. I want to make a short comparison, if you don't mind. You'll see that it'll fit a little bit later on. Uh, First, well, no, let's first do that. Paul, in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, chapter 1 through chapter 11, Paul taught about the very essence of our salvation. It is by grace that you and I have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So through this faith that, that Paul taught, faith in Christ and He alone Once he established that fact in Romans, when we studied Romans, when we got to chapter 12, he then taught us how to decisively walk with Christ in this salvation that we have. And he taught us that this walk with Christ is is to each one of us our own individual responsibility. When we got to chapter 12, verse 1, Paul wrote, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, the family of God, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In the second verse, he says, Therefore, don't be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. Well, as you go to 1 Peter, in the same fashion, Peter teaches us that we are to suffer. Nobody escapes that fact of life. He taught us that through our suffering in verses 1 through 12 of chapter 1, that we can find Salvation. We can find our our solitude, our our 
our comfort in our salvation in Christ. Salvation cannot be denied us even in the midst of suffering. And like Paul, Peter, once he established that fact, suffering comes to every one of us, but through the suffering we can have salvation, then he tells us we have something to do with this salvation that has been given to us by God. Yeah, yes, even in the midst of our difficulties, even in the midst of our trials, we still have been called to serve the Lord. And the lesson began last week in verse 13. He said in verse 13 that we were to be obedient to our walk with Jesus Christ. And so we are now, verse 13, if you remember, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in your spirit and fix your hope completely on the grace of Jesus Christ. Well, verses 14 through 16 continues with that theme of being obedient and holy before the Lord. And so I want to talk about what is it that God is asking from you and me this morning as we study through the Bible. What, what does He ask of us as believers? Now, if you're here this morning and you've come to investigate about faith and, and, and maybe you've been asked to come to church with some family and, 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 and maybe you don't come to church often or, or where you go to church is irrelevant, but, but maybe you're here and you're not certain about this, this whole idea of Christianity. We want to share that with you. We want to, we want to make it as, as comfortable as possible for you to see that this walk that you have or can have with Jesus Christ is something that is unique for you. It is for you to possess, for you to have and to, and to understand what does that mean. And we don't begrudge anyone that, that is investigating about this one called Jesus Christ. We are eager for you to come to Christ but we believe in your good time if you listen through the gospel, if you listen to the very wonders of this Savior that we most of us here know, we believe that you'll come to trust and believe in Him as well. That's what we want from all of us. But for those of us who know Him, He is asking us to move, move ahead. Or by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord and and as Paul says, gird your mind for action, keep sober in your spirit, and fix your hope completely on the grace of Christ. So let's read, please with me, in, in Peter chapter 1. I want to read from verse 13 to verse 19. We will not be able to cover all these verses, because, um, because. but, but I, I want to, you to get a, a feeling of what Peter is saying here. This is absolutely magnificent stuff. What Peter is saying here is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. It is, it is beyond magnificent. It is so precise and it, and it cuts to the core. It is not like Paul so much. It is like Peter. Listen, verse 13. Therefore, he says what we've already read. Gird, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely 
on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with, let me add the words, you were inherited with precious blood, the, the, or redeemed, I should say, with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. You were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's magnificent stuff. I read it kind of poorly. I have a tendency to do that. I ask your forgiveness. But that is, when you get by yourself every once in a while, just read through these words and, and, and mull them over in your mind. Think about how, how, how Peter asks you to fix, fix your hope completely on the grace of Christ. Asks us to be obedient. Ask us to be behavior, to be holy in all of our behavior. This is a man that is, is reaching out for you and me. You see, Peter understood suffering. Uh, not maybe not like some of you might be going through some difficulties. Certainly not like the Renaults, where, where I don't know that Peter lost a, a, a grandchild, and and but but he suffered through the most difficult of times because. He had made a vow to the Lord his God. He had made a vow to Jesus Christ that he would never, ever leave nor betray him. And just shortly thereafter, he denied him three times. And he had to live with that. He lived with the fact that he had, he had basically walked out on his commitment to Christ. Turned his back on him, if you would. The Bible says when he... When he heard the cock crow, as Jesus promised him, he said, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And when he heard that, it says he went off and he wept bitterly. He knew what it meant to suffer. Maybe not like you're suffering, or you're suffering, or like I'm suffering. But he knew what it meant to suffer. And he taught us about it here. And he's teaching us now how we can separate ourselves from that and really walk in obedience with the Lord. He's a, he's a perfect guy to be teaching us this because he's not perfect himself. And so we can follow that. At least I can. I, I have trouble when I try to follow Jesus because he's so perfect. Never messed up. Uh, Peter, on the other hand, is kind of like me. Kind of messes up. And yet the Lord loves him. Gives me hope. Let's pray and let's get into this. This is, this is a, I think you're going to find this is a wonderful place where Peter is going to take us on a very, very wonderful little journey, understanding what it means to be obedient and to be holy. Father, would you please uh, bless the Renaults? Uh, 
they're having their first family reunion after the death of little Reese. And I pray for them as they go to be with the family right now. As, as Kathy admitted to me, this is going to be a difficult time. So would you lift them up? For those of us here, Father, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law, the Bible that we read and, and so cherish here at this church? We want to thank you for it, Father. I ask you to take the person who gives the message, myself. Would you move me aside? Let, let me not interfere with what you wish to say to those of us that are going through deep waters and, and struggling and and, and yet, you ask us to serve you in the midst of that. And <clears throat> for some, it's, it's hard. It's hard even to get dressed up in the morning and just even make it to church, let alone the thought of serving. And yet, Father, you've asked us to do this. I think, Father, you'll teach us today that you've not left us empty-handed. You will guide us on that path. And you'll help us at every step. You love us dearly. May we love you, Father, just as much. I I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Verses 14, 15, 16, and we're going to touch on verse 17, continues with the theme of our being obedient and holy before the Lord. In other words, girding your mind for action, verse 13, keeping sober in your spirit, verse 13, fixing your hope completely on the Lord, verse 13. Well, verses 14 to 16 talks about obedience and, and holy. Let me share this with you before we get into this message. Never doubt that the ability to live like this is completely up to you. Nobody can make you walk with the Lord. It's your decision. So choose how do you wish to live as a believer, hopefully obedient, hopefully receiving God's blessing upon blessing upon blessing, Or you can choose not to. The good news is this. God has given you and me the power and the strength to live out our desire to walk with Him. He didn't leave us alone. He he did not leave us powerless. There's many places I could share this with you and, and, and explain it clearly, I think. But the closest place is 2 Peter. So turn to the right, just a few pages, to 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to listen to what Peter says about how you and I have been equipped by God as believers to walk this walk that he is asking of us to be obedient, to be holy. And we'll, under, we'll talk about that word holy because for most people that word is kind of, it's, it's, it's out there. It's, you, you're asking me to be holy like God is holy? Um, we'll talk about that. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter writes saying, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, really a powerful verse. Seeing that, watch now, His divine power, that's the de- divine power of God Almighty has been granted to you. I'm not going to say us there. I want to make it personal to you. Has been granted to you everything. Not just a few things, not some, but everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called you by His own glory and excellence. For by these, these things that has been granted to you as a, 
a follower of God, this divine power that pertaining to life and godliness, by these He has granted to you His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's the nature of God. You have the very nature of God living within you, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lusts. Our Lord has definitely enabled and empowered you and me to live the life that He has commanded of us. He's not left us empty-handed. And the good news is the bad news. The good news is God has given you all of this. But the bad news is, if you can consider it bad, God has given you a free will. You can live as you choose. You can come to church and, and pretend you're, you're really, really following Christ and we can go home and, and, and be just the opposite. There's a choice we can make. You live as you choose. The decision of how you and I choose to live is up to you and you alone. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You cannot do it for your wife. You cannot do it for your husband. You can't do it for your children. Children, you cannot do it for your parents. Each and every single one of us that is seated here today individually have to choose whether we wish to live for Christ or not. We have to choose how we desire to live for our Lord. Now that's a responsibility that I am thankful for. I don't want to leave my salvation up to you. I, I, no, I love you with all my heart. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to that, I want it to be my decision. I, I want it to be my choice to walk with God. My choice to be as a godly man if possible. And it's very possible because the Lord God Himself has given me His divine power to do it. He has given me a partaker of His divine nature to do it. So what do we need to do besides verse 13? What do we need to do besides girding up our minds, uh, keeping sober in spirit, in other words, single-minded, having a, a purpose for why we live? What do we need to do besides fixing our hope completely on the Lord? Well, the answer from our Lord comes in verses 14, 15, and 16, and it never varies. You can go through all of Scripture, the Old Testament to the New. The answer is always the same. It is, and it will forever be, to live obediently. That's what He asks of us. Verse 14, As obedient children, don't be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Now, when I started off this message, I, I purposely pointed, because this reminded me of what Paul said in Romans. Romans chapter 12. After he gave us the whole idea of salvation, he says in Romans chapter 12 that we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might prove what the will of God is. That which is good. That which is acceptable. That which is perfect. And here in verse 14, he uses the word obedient. Walk as obedient children and don't be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? It's almost like Peter and Paul kind of got together 
The truth of the matter is God, the Holy Spirit, had them both write the same ideas, but in a different fashion, in a different way. Peter's a little more abrupt than, than Paul. The word conformed, which is used in both Paul's writings, chapter 12, verse 2, and Peter's writings, chapter 1, verse 14, the word conformed means to be shaped by or to be fashioned after. Obedience, on the other hand, well, obedience is the goal for every single one of us. Hey, Joe. Obedience is, is your purpose in life as a believer in Jesus Christ. Why? Oh, because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, He says as clear as He could, didn't stutter a bit, If you love me, you'll keep what? My commandments. You'll be obedient to my words. If you love me, you're going to keep what I've asked you to keep. You're going to do what I've asked you to do. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Listen, Christianity is as simple and as profound as that right there. Obedience should be the driving force in your life and my life. It should be the driving force of every serious Christian who desires to follow after Jesus Christ. It is that, if you would, that fork in the road. You know, where you come to that place where you can go either this way or that way, and this way will lead to to good, then this way will not lead to such good things. It's your decision. Which way will you go? It's that fork in the road that every single one of us who believe in Christ must choose to travel day by day and moment by moment. By the way, just because we hear Peter saying that to us today doesn't mean when we walk out of here we've got it now nailed. We don't have to worry about that anymore. I'll be obedient. No, no, we will have to choose to be obedient in about an hour from now and probably later on tonight and for sure tomorrow and all the tomorrows that the Lord God gives us from this day forward. That's why in my life I have reminders, things that beep, uh, um, reminders in my house, reminders in my car, reminders everywhere I go. Walk with Christ, John. I need those reminders to keep me close to Him. I want you to look with me at Romans. Hold your place here in 1 Peter. While you're turning to Romans chapter 8, would you please listen? You see... The road that you and I travel uh, is either the road to obedience or a road to disobedience. Here's, here's what the Bible teaches, and I'm going to prove it to you, not by my thoughts, but what the Bible says. You and I don't have a choice to say, well, I'm going to be obedient in this part of my life, but in this part of my life, I'm still, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to live on this. I'll, 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 I'll figure it out later. No, you, you and I don't have that choice. The choice that you and I have is to walk in obedience in everything. As, as Peter wrote, in all our behaviors, everything. It should be a, a, a goal for you and me to walk with Christ. It was Dr. J. Vernon McGee who I heard say, you're either, a, you're either a saint or you ain't. You either walk with him or you don't. Now I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 8 in a moment. But listen, listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2. He says, in which you formerly walked. That was before you came to Christ according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air of the Spirit, he's talking about Satan, that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's unbelievers. Satan, 
if you're here investigating about Christ and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know that you are being, you are being pushed and turned and, and moved by Satan. And you might not believe that. You might not think that's true. I'm telling you the truth. You are being led either by Him or by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not both. Not both. I know that's hard to hear for some. You come here and you expect it not to hear that. You mean Satan's guiding me? Yes. Yeah, he is. I'm sorry to tell you that. If you're not a believer. Well, I don't do anything wrong. I'll show you. Listen to Paul. Romans chapter 8. The basic character of a believer in Jesus Christ's obedience in God, the basic character of an unbeliever is disobedience. Period. Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Paul says, Because the mind set on the flesh, that's disobedience. That's, that there is either the spirit or the flesh. The flesh is apart from God. The spirit is apart with God. So he says, the mind that is set on the flesh, disobedience, it's hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. That's obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Listen to this. After he says, it is subject to the, not subject to the law of God, listen, for it is not even able to do so. You think that's bad? Listen to verse 8. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so the, this idea of I'm going to be obedient here and I'm still trying to figure all this out over there. I don't, I, 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 uh, you know, I don't know what... I'm, uh, this is a bad example because I can't explain either or. But I'm, I'm telling you that, that you know in your spirit when you're following the Lord. I, I, that's too vague too. Let me get to my notes. Let me not go off on this. The very sick character of a believer in Jesus Christ is obedience. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. It's, it's as simple as that. Being obedient is not brain surgery. All of us can do it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, Paul reiterates this thought, but this time he doesn't walk this path alone. He affirms what he is saying by Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says. In Ephesians 4, verse 17, he says, So I say, and I affirm together with the Lord. In other words, it's not just me telling you this. It is the Lord. He says that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. Gentiles wasn't the race of people. A Gentile was a, a non-believer, someone that had no belief in God. That was a Gentile. It didn't mean a race of people. It meant a mindset, someone that did not understand or follow after God. So he says, I don't want you to walk any longer as someone who is like a Gentile, who does not have an idea of God in the futility of your mind. Verse 18, being darkened in your understanding, excluded from the life of God. Is that scary or what? Because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. In Titus, Paul writes these words. Chapter 1, verse 16. They, talking about the world, talking about unbelievers, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable, being disobedient. And what does he say? They are worthless for any 
good deed. What more does a person have to hear? For the sake of God Almighty, get out of your ignorance if you're walking apart from Christ and come to believe in Him. So what, is, what does Peter say back in 1 Peter chapter 1, after verse 14? He says, here's what you're to do. Here's how you're to make this walk in obedience. Be like the Holy One. Verse 15. Be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourself. Also in all your behavior. Not just like I was trying to explain. Some of it here and some of it there. And you're kind of, you're kind of straddling the world and trying to do both. No. He says, be holy in all of your behavior. Because, verse 16 is written, you shall be holy because God Almighty is holy. Now, holiness. Let's talk about that for a minute because it's misunderstood. It is misunderstood big time. Some think holiness means to be pious, to be a religious person, have almost become abnormal to everyday living. You've heard the statement, this person is so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? I've known people like that. You know, They're afraid to laugh at the joke. They're afraid to enjoy their life here on earth. No, the Lord wants you as a whole person. He wants you to enjoy life and have fun. I don't mean sinful kind of fun. I, I mean real enjoyment of life that He has given to you. I, 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 I come back to, to my, the one kind of person that I always think of in, in, in a lot of things in my life because I loved him more than life itself, and that was Kenny Hutchison. He was a dear friend of mine. I'd never known a man that had more life in him than, than anyone I've ever known. I'd never known anyone to be more fun than him in my life. I mean, laugh. And, and everything he did was just grandiose. He loved life, and yet he, he walked in obedience with the Lord as, as much or better than anyone I've ever known. Now, the mistake could be that, that I try to be like Hutch. I, I never could. I, he, he was a guy that when he walked in the room, he filled the room with his presence. I walk in the room and it becomes almost empty. It, it's just not the same. For me to try to be like him would be a phony. It would be hypocritical. I never tried to be like Hutch. I just enjoyed everything about him. And there's men like that, women like that here at this church. Just, they just fill a room when they walk into it and they're full of fun. Holiness is to a spiritual life very much like what health is to a physical life. Holiness is to be healthy, robust. Bottom line, to live a holy life is an act of your will. It goes back to what we were talking about just a little while ago. You can choose to do it or not. Holiness is an act of your will to choose to live for Christ in obedience. It all boils down to obedience. Are we going to follow the Lord? In Leviticus chapter 19, don't need to turn. The Lord went to Moses and he said to Moses, I want you to speak to all the people of Israel. Say to them, I want you to be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Just as the children of Israel were called to love, to serve, to separate themselves from immorality and sin, to be holy, so believers today must heed that same call, that call to obedience. 
Paul tells us we have a head start on everybody once we come to Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away. New things have come. You can do it. Our Lord God has empowered you, strengthened you to walk a holy life. Holy means think of it more as an obedient life. Following after the Lord your God. Being obedient to what you know you should do and do it. When you come to that fork in the road, walk with Christ every time. Verse 17. It's, it's everything to these verses. Verse 17 is imperative for you need me to understand. Listen to what Peter says. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, then conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Got it? If you, if you say God is your Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If he is your Father, then conduct yourself in fear during your stay here on this earth. Now, the phrase conduct yourself in fear means to live in reverence, to live in awe, in respect of God. And by the way, it is a command. It's not a, you can do it if you want to, you don't have to. No, you are to conduct yourself in fear. In other words, to live in awe, in reverence, in respect. Let me tell you how I understand it, and it is no problem for me. Some people, the word fear, uh, they say, well, you, why are you fearing God? No, 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 you don't understand. It's not that fear, it's that respect. I'll tell you about that fear. My dad was about five foot eight feet tall. I was all, when I got into college, I was bigger than him and stronger than him. But I wasn't as tough as him. And I, I, would, never, I would never do anything to test my father. Number one, I loved him way too much, but I feared him too. I'll never forget a story. When I was a little boy, I was, we were born and raised in Highland Park, Michigan, and I was always into stuff. And we always played at the Y. All of us guys played at the YMCA. And there was going to be a, a softball game against the other Y across town. And so we got the, the, the people of the, of the, of the, ran the Y got this big truck. I mean, just like a cattle truck. Back then, we didn't, we didn't have to wear helmets. We weren't strapped in. We got to sit and stand in the back of the truck and have a great trip going right down the street, man. And back when times were fun. I shouldn't say that, but it was. But I got in trouble that day. I got in trouble with the guy that was running the whole program. I did something wrong. And so he came to me and he said, you can't go on this trip to so play softball. You can't. Your punishment is you can't go. And I, 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 I thought he was kidding. I was the best baseball player. <laughs> no, I, I said that just for a laugh. I thought he was kidding. And, and he was dead serious when everybody was getting on the truck. If, if I even thought about walking to it, he says, no. So I stand there, I stood there on the, on the street corner watching the truck pull away, and one of my buddies laughed at me. Yeah, you can't go. And when this truck turned around the corner, I knew exactly where he had his bike parked. So I went and got a Coke bottle, broke it, and I cut up his tires. Now I'll tell you how smart I was. I did it right in front of the YMCA. <laughs> 
I not only was in trouble for what I did in the morning, now I'm double in trouble because everybody saw me do it. So what did they do? They called my dad. Uh, Mr. Warehouse, your son, well, you better come down here. He'll tell you what he did. My dad came there and I, uh, what'd you do, son? Cut up Bobby's uh, bicycle tires. Why? Because he laughed at me because I couldn't go and play softball with the guys. I wanted to go, Dad. He said, well, I'll take care of it, he told the guy at the Y, and we got in his car and we drove to the police station. Got out of the car and my dad walked me up. The first policeman we saw, he said, "Uh, son, tell this gentleman here what you did. I was so scared. I didn't know this police officer. I told him I I cut my friend's bike's tires. And he said to my dad, should we keep him overnight in jail? Or should I turn him over to your custody? My dad said, after he paused for a long time, (laughs) I was scared to death. He said, I'll take care of him. On the drive home, my dad told me that I was going to have to work all summer to buy Bobby's bicycle tires better than the ones that he had. I was cutting lawns all up and down the street that summer, making money to try to buy those tires. I was really afraid of my dad in a good way, healthy as could be. I knew my dad loved me, no doubt. But I held him with such awe, such reverence, and such respect for my father that I understand when it says here that you and I are to fear the Lord our God. And we are to conduct ourselves in that fashion. And watch this. Watch how this fits together. Watch what Peter does. Peter is just magnificent. He says in the words hope and holiness, if you live like that, that produces a life of worship to God. Obedience. Worshipping Him. Whereas on the other hand, fear of the Lord, well, listen to what, the, what, the, what it says in the Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so written within in Psalms 9, verse 10 is, Fear, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, they're all gathered together. And so verse 17 is written for a very specific purpose. Don't miss it. Peter did not want you or me to forget that though we have an intimate, very personal, very loving relationship with the Heavenly Father, so much so that Paul says we are to call Him Abba, Father. You know what that meant, don't you? We said before when we were in Romans, it meant Daddy. We can call Him Daddy. Nonetheless, verse 17 reminds us that we still must conduct ourselves in holiness, in fear, and in obedience towards our Lord because, as it says in verse 17, He is going to impartially judge every single one of us according to our work, our deeds. You see, most believers don't believe we're going to be judged. We're not. Let me repeat this. 
I don't want you walking out of here. We're not going to be judged on salvation. The moment you come to Christ and trust Him for your salvation, you then judged yourself guilty, and He has freed you from that, never to judge you on that again. But you and I will be judged on the things that we do as believers in Jesus Christ. You see, God is keeping records of yours and my worth, my deeds, our deeds. And at the revelation of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a judgment of all believers, not concerning salvation, but how did we serve Him? How obedient were we to Him? Now I want to close with this thought. We have four more minutes. I can close it in time, I promise. Turn with me. You, you can keep your place. In, no, we're not coming back to First Peter today. We'll do that next week. Turn to 1 Corinthians. It's to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. It is so important that we understand that this, this walk we have with Christ, it's not a free pass. We've all been given a spiritual gift, and He expects us to use it. If, if I preach a message here, and, and I expect... When I preach, you look up here for a second, please. If I preach a message up there and I expect you to say, boy, that was really, really good. That, 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 and I want your accolades. I want to be, be confirmed by you that I, I did a good job and I've done everything in my power wrong about preaching this message. The only person I want to please when I preach a message up there is, is my Lord. That's, that's the only person I want to please. And so if I'm doing whatever I do to get your accolades, then I've lost every bit of it. Dick, who stood up for you, and those guys that are cooking in there, because I know they're not, if they're cooking in there for you to tell them what a great chef you are, and well, what a great meal and all of that, which we should do, we should tell them that. But if that's their purpose for doing it, then they've lost all the blessings that they could get doing it. Or the worship team, beautiful piano that you play. If you do that for us to tell you how great you are, and that's why you're doing it, then you've done it wrong. You do what you do heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving. And so, when you get the opportunity to serve the Lord, know that you are being judged by that. Know the spirit, that the, the, the gift, the spiritual gift that you have been given. God expects you to use it for His glory. So I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's close with this. Paul puts it this way. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I lay a foundation and another is building on it. Each man must be careful. Each person must be careful how they build on it. The foundation that, 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 that Peter is, uh, Paul is laying is this, the very word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the foundation. And we're to, we're to build upon it and we're to be careful how we build upon it. I say to any church that opens its doors and doesn't preach the gospel, doesn't preach the word of God, woe to them. Paul says, you're supposed to be building on the foundation that I've laid. And careful how you do it. Verse 11, no person can lay a foundation other than the one which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's what Paul taught us. Now, he says, if any person builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, wood or hay or straw, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. If any person's work which 
they have built on remains, they will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burnt up, they will suffer loss. Note now, note, but they themselves will be saved, yet as through fire. What I want to ask of you is to stay out of the fire. Be obedient. Be holy. Set yourself apart. Be obedient to the Lord your God. I know some of you here have been going through tough times. Difficult stretch. Don't give up on God. Please don't. By the Word of God, I can promise you He knows what you're going through and He cares for you. I'm not trying to be just flippant about suffering. I, I'm going through it. I understand it. It's, it's no fun. I know how hard it can be. What I'm asking you to do is the same thing I'm trying to ask myself to do, and that is to walk by faith and not by sight. Trust in the Lord. Be ye holy, for the Lord your God is holy. Be obedient. We're going to close in prayer in a moment. That if you want to have any prayer, any kind of prayer request at all, please come up. There will be people here. I don't know if they will be on both sides or not. Mickey, are they going to be just on this side? There will be just people here to pray with you if you'd like to have someone just pray for any reason. And it will be very personal that they promise us. Father, we want to close with a thankful heart. For the Renaults, please care for them, Father. I know you will, but let us say that. Please let us just say it. It helps us to say things like that, Father. We, we know that you will. But please do it. Care for them. And Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Peter, Father. What a, what a hearty, hearty example he is. He must be something else. To, just to look at him must be really something. So bless us, Father, as we go from here. Would you gird up our minds for action? Would you keep us sober in spirit, Father? Help us to have this hope that is fixed completely on you. And let us walk in this obedience, this holiness that you've so entrusted us. Let us love you, Father. Lord, thank you for these people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I just love you so much. God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.